Psalm 125. We're going to continue our journey through the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, remember, as we've talked about so many times so far, these Psalms that we're going through are, are pil- pilgrimage Psalms. These are songs that the people of Israel would have sang as they journeyed from their hometowns up to Jerusalem, which was uh, physically higher than them. It's uh, on a mountain. Um, So they would sing these as they would ascend to the Lord or approach to be in God's presence. We've kind of talked about how these are the pilgrims playlist. These are the the songs that they would listen to as they did that. These songs were meant to prepare their hearts for that moment of being in God's presence um, and also meant to kind of help them through that journey of life. As we think about these and our and us being those pilgrims, those sojourners. Um, those people who are in the process of going from one place to another, um, going from a, a life in sin to a life with God. These are psalms that can speak to us as well, to different aspects of our life as well. Um, today we're going to see Psalm 125 and the Lord, how he surrounds us and promises us protection. As we look to this next year, it's one of your favorite years, 2024. Not that it's the, an Olympic year. But it's an election year. Who loves an election year? Does everybody love that? Everybody loves an election year, right? No, we hate an election year, right? Um, The whole country gets up in arms for 12 months or 11 months until November when we vote. And uh, we just lose our mind, right? We go crazy. And why is that? Well, it's because humans, uh, or here in our country, Americans, realize how important an election is, especially for a president. Because we know this truth. Leaders have an impact on whom they lead. Leaders impact whom they lead. Negatively or positively, they have an impact. That's why people get all all up in arms during an election year. We know that leaders have an impact. They impact the attitude of the people they lead. They typically take on that attitude or that attitude makes them rebel. They leaders set an example. Leaders give us direction and give us a purpose of which way to go. In some cases, depending on the leader, they create laws and enforce them. They deal out punishments for some activities. They deal out blessings for other activities. Leaders impact the people that they lead. And in our psalm today, we're going to see that God promises us protection from all kinds of things in life. But specifically in this psalm, He talks about protecting us from evil leadership, from evil leadership. And God will surround and protect his people from the unjust rule of ungodly leaders as his people remain faithful to him and call upon his righteous character. That's what we're going to see in this psalm. So let's read this Psalm 125, just five verses. Let's read that and then see these three truths that God's going to show us from this passage. Psalm 125, beginning in verse 1. A song of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. 
Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in their hearts. But to those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evil, lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this psalm, this word that you've given to us. God, we pray that you would speak through it to us. God, we pray that you would give us eyes to see how this psalm, written hundreds of years ago, applies to our lives today. And may it give us direction and hope as we need protection, Lord, as we seek protection from all kinds of things in our lives. God, we know that you're a good God who gives good gifts. And we just pray that you would give us a good gift this morning. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I said there's going to be three truths that we see in this passage. And the first truth that we see is one, God's people are surrounded by his protection. God's people are surrounded by his protection. We see in this passage that believers, those who are trusting in the Lord, are compared to a mountain. It says the faithful are like a mountain. That means that we are... As believers, we are immovable. Life does all kinds of things to shake our foundations, right? You just live through a week of life and you're going to have in some way some kind of experience that shakes the foundations of your life. We have pain and heartache. We look at just this week, these past few weeks as as the folks we prayed for. Pain and heartache, death and loss that enter our families uh, or enter our own lives. Those kind of things shake the foundations of our faith. There's temptations that come into our life. doesn't matter how long you uh, use your phone. By the time you, your phone in, in and of itself is a temptation, a distraction that tends to knock us off uh, our course. When we commit sin, we feel guilt and un- uneasiness about that sin. We have ungodly thoughts and ideas that come into our minds that are taught to us through the news or through other ideologies that we interact with. We get all kinds of things that come into our life that shake our foundations, that knock us off our track and make us want to lose faith or or at least lose our sanity. But unless God sets our foundation, unless God sets your foundation, just like a mountain in this passage, unless God makes you like a mountain, these kind of things are going to knock you off and knock you off your feet and push you in directions that you never thought you would go. It's a lot like a plastic bag. If you've been to Walmart parking lot, somebody has taken their... Uh, food out of their uh, out of their bag and toss the bag and you see that bag blowing around and what does that bag look like it gets blown around in every direction whatever wind comes that's the way it goes uh, it goes all over the place and when life happens to you sometimes you can be like that plastic bag it's like the opposite of that mountain a mountain is set where it's where it is and it never moves a plastic bag on the other hand blows around no matter uh, what comes along. It tosses you around so much that it makes you sick. And all it takes is one little gust of wind and you're blown off of your off of your spot. It just takes one unfavorable medical diagnosis. And you're asking, man, does God really love me? Takes one small temptation on your cell phone to forget how good holiness and purity is. It takes, just takes one short TikTok video from an atheist and you start questioning your whole life and why you committed your life to Christianity in the first place. And for those of you who don't know what TikTok is, don't worry about it. 
Life will shake your foundations from one direction or another. And if you're not trusting in the Lord, you're going to be like a plastic bag rather than a mountain. Rather than a mountain. God compares us to a mountain in this because a mountain is immovable, right? That's why Jesus' statement to us in the Gospels that says, uh, a faith of a mustard seed will move a mountain, that, that statement's staggering to us because we know mountains don't move. Um, there's nothing that can move a mountain. In the same way, if God, if you're trusting in God, you are like a mountain. And not just any mountain, you're like Mount Zion. This is a mountain that was home to the chosen city for God's people. This is the place where worship happened. This is the place where um, the center of their lives were. This is their political and religious center. And this was the most important mountain to them. And they saw this mountain as immovable. It would not move. And as, as a matter of fact, when they sang this song, they were probably standing on this very mountain that they're compared to, Mount Zion. You can imagine that the, 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 the rocks under their feet They'd be like, we are like this mountain that they're looking down at. They're like that mountain. Not only are they like the mountain that they stand on, they're like the mountains that surround them as well. Notice that's what the rest of that uh, verse 2 says. We're compared to a mountain that's immovable and we're like this, uh, the Lord surround us, surrounds us like the mountains around Jerusalem. So there would be not just uh, this one Mount Zion on which Jerusalem sat, but they're in a small mountain range where you could look around and see the mountains that surround them. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the hills. That's the mountains that it's talking about. Um, these, these, this, the surrounding protection that was around them. So this protection not only makes us solid like a mountain, it surrounds us in every direction. This means that the Lord never loses jurisdiction. Every Part of us is protected. The front, the back, and the sides. No matter where temptation or no matter where uh, danger comes from in your life, God knows about it. And God can take care of it. He doesn't lose jurisdiction and he doesn't have blind spots. Um, you've all switched lanes and maybe almost hit somebody because there's that spot in your rearview mirror that you, you, you can see this way and you can see your rearview mirror, but there's, there's some blind spot where you can't see. God doesn't have blind spots. He surrounds us on every side and he doesn't lack expertise. If you come to me and say, hey, can you help me work through this Bible passage? I'm going to be like, yeah, I can do that. If you say, hey, Tim, can you help me hang some sheetrock? I'm going to say, I don't know. I, I lose expertise. I can't do it. Um, I, can, I, can, I can drive a car, but I can't fix a car, right? My expertise go, only goes so far. But God doesn't lack expertise. He doesn't lack the ability to address your issue. Whatever problem you have, he can address it. He surrounds you like the mountains surround Jerusalem. And not only does he surround us, this, this protection that he provides us lasts forever. That's what it says at the end of verse 1. It says we're like a mountain that abides forever. At the end of verse 2, from this time forth and forevermore. This is a guarantee. This protection that God gives you is a guarantee that does not run out. If you've ever done that fun process of, of researching life insurance, you know that there's term life insurance. It's nice and cheap compared to whole life insurance, but what's the deal with term life insurance? It ends at the end of that term, right? So it doesn't last forever. 
The protection that God gives us is not like term life insurance that ends at some point. It's a protection that lasts forever in this life into the next. And his, his protection is not like a, a warranty that we buy with an appliance that lasts for 90 days. And that's nice. During those 90 days, you feel good. You're not worried. But when your fridge breaks on day 91, that guarantee is not so good anymore, right? There's not going to be a point where you think you're protected by the Lord and then something happens and you're like, oh, I lost my coverage. That doesn't happen with the Lord. His protection is from now and forevermore. And think about this. God's protection, the protection that he provides, is directly proportionate to the object of our faith. So the protection we receive is directly proportionate to the object of that faith. What that means is, if you have faith in God, then the protection he provides is God-sized. If you have faith in something smaller, then you're not going to have great protection. Think of it this way. What's your favorite nursery rhyme? Or a children's story? Three little pigs, right? You have those three little piggies. They're all brothers, and they're hiding from this big bad wolf, this dangerous thing that's going to come into their lives. And the pig's protection is directly proportionate to what the pig has faith in, right? It doesn't matter how great that first pig's faith is. He just has faith in sticks. It doesn't matter if he has the the greatest faith in the world. That wolf is still going to blow that house down. Also, though, it doesn't matter how small or little the faith of that third pig is, right? Because he has faith in those bricks. And that wolf can never knock down that, that, that brick house. So if you're sitting here and hearing all this and thinking, man, I, I want to have faith in the Lord, but I just sometimes I, I don't have that much. Sometimes I'm just a man of little faith. Well, all it takes is the faith of a mustard seed. All it takes is a small bit of faith because God's protection of you is not based on how great your faith is, but on who your faith is in, right? If you have faith in the Lord then his protection is directly proportionate to his character. Let's do a little bit of theology this morning. I'm going to teach you three big old fat words that, maybe not not three, two and a half big old fat words. These are theological words that you can put in your pocket and remember, let's all say this together, immutability. One, two, three, immutability. You guys didn't say that. Immutability, one, two, three, immutability. There you go. What that means is immutable means unchanging. God doesn't mutate or change. You can't be moved because God can't be moved. God never changes. He will not change what he's promised. He will not change who he is. And you can always count on him to remain the same. If you have faith in an unchanging God or an immutable God, then you need not worry about him changing his opinion of you or his protection to you. He's immutable. Number two, Omnipresent. Let's say that. Omnipresent. Omni means all. Present means present. So that means he's always with you. He always surrounds you. Like the passage says, in every place. You are surrounded on every side because God is present everywhere. And he knows everything that's going to come his way. And then finally, eternal, which you guys know that word. That's not that big of a word. Eternal, which means your protection lasts forever because God lasts forever so you can see as we have faith in god that faith that we have whether small or great doesn't matter 
It's in a great God. And he provides us protection that comes from his character. But as we mentioned, that protection that we receive is from all kinds of things in life. From all kinds of things, but specifically in this passage, I believe he's talking about how God will protect his people from evil leadership. Let's read that next verse. Verse 3. It says, For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. The scepter of wickedness. The scepter is, is, a, is an object that reflects leadership or rule or reign or sovereignty. It's a, just a glorified stick, basically. But it would be whoever holds the scepter is the one who makes the rules. And so when you see this, not only does God, God's people, not only do God's people, not only are they surrounded by his protection, but God's uh, people are also promised his rule as compared to this evil rule. The Israelites had a history of being ruled by evil people, right? From the Egyptians to the Babylonians to the Romans, eventually after this passage is written, they had a knack for being ruled by foreign leaders who were opposed to who God was. A lot of times they were polytheists. They believed in many gods or they did had very evil practices. Um, some of the, 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 some of the people that lived in the land before the uh, Israelites moved into the land would even sacrifice their children uh, to their gods. These were evil peoples and God's people were always under threat of being ruled by them. But God makes them a promise here. He says the scepter or the rule of the wicked will not rest on the, on, on the land allotted to the righteous. That means this evilness, this evil rule will not find a home. It will not find rest. It will not stay among God's people, among this place allotted to them, um, determined for them, set out for them. Because evil always wants to rule God's people. Evil always wants to rule God's people. And evil wants to push God's people to do wrong. He says the, in that verse, he says the scepter of wickedness is not going to rest in the land allotted to the righteous, lest or, or the righteous would stretch out or the righteous stretch out their hands and do wrong. God said, I'm not going to let this evil rule stay among my people because that will cause them to sin. That will cause them to stretch out their hand. Does that sound familiar from earlier in the book of Genesis? Somebody who reached out their hand and took that's Eve, right? Adam and Eve. They reached out their hands and they took good and evil, the, 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 the definition of good and evil for themselves. And the psalmist is saying, I'm not going to allow evil to rule here so that my people are not tempted to or not called to go away. Like the serpent in the garden, like the serpent in the garden, evil would have us reach out and take the fruit and eat. That's what the evil one wants us to do, to rebel against God and do wrong. And it's important for these Israelites for good to continue in their land because they know that if they're doing wrong, that means they're not doing right. It's important for God's people in this place to worship God because that's where God's presence was. That's where God's presence was. And they saw themselves as, as these as the light to the nations, as Isaiah describes Israel. Um, it was important for the Israelites to remain faithful so that others would see their light. So that others would see their light. 
But in this passage, we're promised that that evil rule will not find rest. It will not come to stay. God has power over evil. Evil evil is limited. Evil is temporary. And no matter how much it seems like evil is reigning and ruling in this world, its rule is not ultimate. And it will not last forever. God has promised that it will not. God made a promise in this passage that evil wouldn't rest among the people. God made promises all throughout the Old Testament that there would be a great ruler, that David would have a descendant on his throne forever. And that wasn't Solomon or any other king that came until Jesus. Jesus was that promised ruler to David that would rule on his throne forever. And we can look back and see how Jesus fulfilled all those promises and how when his first coming, he came and conquered sin and death on our behalf. When he died on the cross and he rose from the dead, he defeated our two greatest enemies, which is sin and death. And in his first coming, he 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 conquered those things. And in his second coming, he will set all things right and everything will finally be made right. And he'll put evil and death to, to, to an end forever. We, have, we get the, the, the blessing of looking back on that promise. These Israelites were looking forward to that promise, knowing that no matter what happens, no matter how evil things seem, God is going to take care of us and going to provide us a ruler. But yet as we look back and, at, at Jesus' first coming, and we also look forward to Jesus' second coming, how do we apply this current promise to our situation in life, to God's people now? How should God's people, meaning you guys, me, how should we read this? And I think it's proper for us to see this as saying, hey, God will not allow evil to reign amongst his people. God will not allow there to be evil leaders among his people, i.e. the church. It's possible, unfortunately, for there to be evil leaders in the church. It's possible for that to happen. It's possible for there to be uh, bad people, bad men who take this position. See, the pastor or the elder or the overseer that we find in the New Testament, they're supposed to be um, smaller reflections of the great shepherd who is God. They're supposed to be leaders that follow Jesus and lead their people to do the same. That's what pastors are called to do. But it's possible for there to be ungodly pastors, ungodly leaders in the church. People who would lead God's people to believe wrong things, that would lead God's people to do wrong things. There are leaders who would prey upon God's people. And God makes a promise that he won't allow that to happen. He won't allow those things to come to rest. That may happen, but God makes a promise that, hey... Not just like he protected the people of Israel and provided them with a king, Jesus, he protects us. And one day he'll set all things right and he won't allow there to be that kind of leadership in his church forever. Which causes us to think this. It is important for us to pray for leaders in the church. As your pastor, I say you need to pray for me because I'm susceptible to any kind of temptation. I'm human. And therefore, anything human is possible for me to commit, right? You need to pray for me. Pray that I would lead you in a right way. That I would lead you to love God and to love other people and to do that in a way that's in accordance with God's word. I need that prayer. Not only do I need it, the other pastors that you know in your life need that as well. Other leaders in the church need you to pray those things for them. 
If you have a friend who is in a church, maybe set aside time during your week to pray for that friend's church's pastor. It's important to pray for church leaders because we need that prayer. We're not, um, we're not Im- immune to any kind of temptation. We're not immune to any kind of selfishness. Some of you are like, amen, I know. I've seen that in lots of pastors. Maybe you've even seen hints of that in me. But we need to pray for those who are in leadership of God's people, that they would be faithful to him, and that as we follow them, they would lead us to Christ and not away from him. So in the passage, so far we've seen that God's people are surrounded by his protection and that God's people are promised his rule. And finally, God's people call on his character. Notice what happens in verse 4 and 5. The psalmist goes from talking about God's protection to praying to God, asking him to act, asking him to do something. They say, hey, God, Lord, do good to those who do good. And those who are doing evil, lead them away in their own way. Isn't that something that we want to pray, that we want to see? Because sometimes we feel like we don't see that. right? Sometimes we feel like, man... Bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. We're tempted to see, or we do see that all the time. And we, in this passage, we're called to pray for God to act according to his character. We call on him to act according to his character. So notice the relationship here between promise and our action. God's secure promise does not nullify man's responsibility. God's secure promise does not nullify man's responsibility. We can think of it this way. If God knows all things and he's promised to do exactly this very thing, does it matter what we do? If God's all powerful, he's just going to do what he wants to do anyways, right? And if he's made a promise, Tim, you've told us that God always keeps his promise, so he's made the promise. Okay, we don't need to do anything. That's not what this psalmist does. He has just echoed God's going to surround us and protect us, and he's not going to let evil rule. Yet, let's pray that he would do that very thing. See, God's promise is not meant to nullify man's responsibility. God's promise is meant to propel man's activity. When you hear God's promises and these things, we're not meant to just sit by idle and say, all right, God, you do whatever you want. No, we're meant to act even harder because God has promised these things. We should pray all the more. And because God has promised these things, we should live faithful and good lives all the more. Not just surface righteousness. Right, because this passage says do good to those who are good, who are upright in their hearts. Not just surface righteousness, but inner righteousness, righteousness that can only come from Jesus. Isn't that what Paul said in Philippians 3 when he talks about that righteousness? He said he wants to be found in Jesus, not having a righteousness of his own that comes from the law, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus. That means it's important on how we live and what we believe and what we do. We need to pray that God would be who God is and we need to live in a way that glorifies him. So I call on you, church, to call on God. Ask God to be God. That's, an, that's often what happens in Scripture. He says in this passage, Do good, O Lord, to those who are good. And to those who turn aside to their crooked ways, Lord, lead them away as evildoers. We're asking God, God, be God. 
God, do what it is that you said you're going to do. And I think that that is a valid and good prayer for you to pray. As we leave this morning, again, there's going to be things that come around in your life. Things that want to knock you off your path, that shake you to the core. And in those moments, it's fine and right and good and proper for you to pray, God, would you be God in this moment? God, I feel pain. I feel, I feel displeasure. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm tempted. I'm scared. God, would you be God? God, I see so much injustice in the world. Um, so much wrongdoing. God, would you be God? God, we're, we're, we're tempted by evil leaders to do evil things. God, would you be God? Do good to those who are good. And those who are evil, lead them away as evildoers. So as we close this morning, let's take time to celebrate and trust that God has promised to give us all good things. And he's promised us protection. And would, you, would you think about that this morning as we, as we sing this next song and, and we close in prayer? Would you uh, take away these three truths with you into this week? That God has promised that he'll protect his people with a never-ending protection. He's promised that he will never allow us to be led away by evil in the end. And let us call on our God to be God, the ruler of the universe, who's a just judge, who makes all things possible, including he makes it possible for God to look on you in righteousness through Jesus. Let's pray.